everybody, it's John Campbell. This is the Like David Project. Uh, thanks for listening today. Just a couple announcements. First off, sorry for putting the podcast in the wrong area. We were late, and then it was put in the wrong area, so it was, it was all messed up last week. So I apologize, and I know that caused some confusion, but we're uh, <laughs> it happens, and we worked through it. And we're back on track, so all's well, ends well. And uh, you're here now, so you must be. You must be with us, so that's good. Uh, today, Matt, James, and I uh, talked about miracles a little bit more, and it's kind of in, a, uh, in addition to last week. And because of the confusion last week of the podcast, you may be listening to them at the same time, which is actually, I think, the best way. So, good. But I, I talked a little bit more in depth about miracles and do they happen in today's church? And does God want it in our church here at Cornerstone? Does what, what does that look like? I wanted to ask James and Matt, what have they specifically seen? I don't, I hear a lot of maybes and I've heard to talk to people that have seen people that may have had a miracle and I've read stuff online that may have happened and you never know. But I wanted to ask people that I really trusted and, and confided in, what have you seen and what, you know, and how did it look and what did it feel like? And, those kind of questions. So, and that's what we talked about, and it turned out to be pretty interesting. I hope you enjoy listening, and have a good day. A question was raised of uh, looking back at past revivals of some of the great moves of God that have happened, that have been a- accompanied by great signs and, and miracles, things that we don't have explanation for. And I, I, I wanted to discuss this morning exactly what we should expect to see if God is moving. Um, do we? Are we going to hold out? For seeing these great miracles of, say, healing or, you know, raising people from the dead, is that going to be our sign that God is at work in our church? Is that what we look for? And if we fall short of that, is that gonna, is that gonna somehow undermine our faith? So I get, I posed the question to you today to begin with: of, of uh, what, what do we expect to see from God? Do, do we believe that God performs miracles? And is that something that we are going to use as a measuring stick of our success? I think we pray for it very often. I mean, I think we pray for it every Sunday. Like we pray for the East Coast. In all actuality, we're praying for a miracle. We're praying for God to step in or in some ways we're praying for a miracle, you know. Um, But I think we pray for it. Just I, in my own life, I've noticed that I pray for a miracle just on the subject of miracles more than I thought I did when I'm asking God for something or praying for God to intervene in some situation or just asking for God's peace or, I mean, all those things could be construed as a miracle because you're praying to your supernatural God. Um, so I think we do see things, but I think they're not always evident to the eye which sometimes as a human you want to have you want to have instant gratification I don't think God gives very much instant gratification where you're going to see like some shiny thing come out I don't know yeah well I think we talked about that a little bit with healing last week that we can pray for healing and sometimes God performs a miracle in front of us um but there are other times that we pray for healing and we see a slow progression of things. And we should have the faith to believe that God works in, in both ways. Right. It might be helpful at the beginning of this podcast to just maybe, let's define what a miracle is. 
you know, so we're defining our terms. So we're talking yeah. about something and we're defining when we say uh, miracles, our miracles for today, you know, uh, what are we talking about? And I would submit that maybe uh, a miracle, the definition of a miracle would be very simply just something that occurs as people pray that only God could do. It could not have happened through any natural realm. It could not have happened through the efforts of any individual or organization. It's uh, something that just miraculously happens that only God can do. Would you agree with that or would you add to it? I would agree with that, but I would add to it because I know, for example, here's something. Let's take a biblical example of the parting of the Red Sea. And if we assume for a moment that that story is, was an actual, literal account of, of something that took place, I know that a believer could say, well, God stepped in and performed a miracle, and we don't even have to worry about the mechanism, you know, like the scientific mechanism by which that happened. Whereas a scientist who was not a believer, and I qualify that because there are many scientists who are, a scientist who was not a believer could come up with some kind of rational explanation to say, it, you don't have to explain this as a supernatural event that took place outside of the laws of physics. Because in many ways, that's really what they would define a miracle as. We believe that God steps in and counteracts the physical laws of this universe to do something different. He could say, here's a rational explanation of how it happened. The wind was blowing in a certain direction. The tide was low and what have you, and suddenly the seas were parted. And so the question then remains, well, if it's not something we can't explain by the physical laws of nature, is that what qualifies as a miracle? Or on the other hand, could you then say, well, even if that was the way that it happened, the timing of it was miraculous, and that it happened right then when the, the children of God needed it. So that's what I, I would, that's a long explanation to say. In your definition that a miracle is something that only God can do yeah. is it something that could be explained but that the timing of it yeah. is miraculous yeah. as well because yeah. it's uh, <laughs> the timing is perfect I mean I, that's that does uh, yeah so even if, think like, even if it had a, a rational explanation to say that at that moment, the check came in the mail. At that moment, right. when, when you needed it, you had an answer to a question that you've been struggling with. Yeah. Good, exact, good point. Check in the mail. Well, so for example, before we started, you said, hey, I'd like to ask you guys about miracles. And so, like, what miracles have you experienced? And I thought, well, we could probably do that podcast in about three, four minutes. But... But the honest truth is, I have experienced a couple different miracles. I remember uh, uh, when we were pastoring our church, I went to the hospital to pray for one of the ladies that was in our church who had uh, had a cancerous tumor. And they had just discovered it. And it was a big shock to everybody. And, uh, and I remember going in and I didn't really know what to do. I was just barely learning how to pray you know, I just, you know, I had some training and I had, you know, been on staff other truths, but here I am now, I'm, now I'm responsible. And the weight of it was just kind of incredible. And I just prayed and said, Lord, 
I'm just going to go in and I'm just going to declare your word. I'm just going to go in and I'm going to speak what you've spoken and I'm going to read some scriptures about prayer and then I'm going to pray. And I, and, I, and I understood right at that moment, there's nothing I can do. I can't do anything, you know, because it was also during, a, you know, it was in the late 80s, so there was kind of a, a healing revival going on in the nation that was characterized by loud praying loud fervent praying and the laying out of hands and people falling down and and that was you know it, it became kind of part of the healing culture which uh, for some reason when we talk about miracles we tend to talk a lot about healing and the raising of the dead those are the two things that kind of come up i think it's cool that you guys brought up the check in the mail for the first thing because that's usually not <laughs> that's usually not the first thing that's talked about when it comes to miracles although if we've experienced the check in the mail at the right time, man, that is a miracle. So anyway, I, I went in and I prayed for this lady and I, I just, you know, I felt some warmth in my hand and, you know, which I, I do sometimes when I'm praying for people anyway, because I believe in the, in the ministry of laying on of hands. And, uh, we got a call the next day. Uh, she was going in for surgery that they had gone in and done some tests and stuff and the tumor was gone. It was gone. She was healed. And in my mind, it's like, that was a miraculous healing. Uh, I know that in my own life, just recently, uh, uh, I had broken my leg. Uh, for those who might be listening, might not know me. And because of the inactivity, one of the things that happens in a broken leg is you can develop blood clots, which are very, very uh, dangerous because parts of those blood clots can break off and go into your head and lungs and stuff. And I had his blood clot and everybody at the hospital was just like freaking out about it. And I was on these blood thinning medicines and the doctor I was seeing was just, just, just freaking out about it. And, but we prayed and sought the Lord. And there was one point in time I felt like I was supposed to go off the blood thinning medicine. Well, we happened to have a doctor's appointment and they took it, uh, MRI and stuff and showed the blood clot was gone. So in my mind, I knew that God had healed me of that blood clot. I'm still dealing with other issues. And in my mind, it's like, well, God, you can heal me the blood clot. What about MRSA and osteomyelitis? What about some of the other things that I'm, I'm trusting you for? And I don't know. I don't understand it really, but there was a miracle. Now, and I'm saying that to say from the perspective of many, many years of being in the ministry and praying for people, those are the only, the only two times that I can really think of that really come to my mind. So it's not like one of those things where if we're talking about miracles, do they happen every single day if they're different than God moving by His Spirit? And I bring that up just because I, wa I want us to look at the issue of, I think people can be discouraged because there are some people that write books and talk on TV and stuff about, you should be seeing miracles happen every single day. And then the, the corresponding thought with that is, if you're not then you must really suck as a Christian or you must not have faith. And I just think that there are a lot of harmful effects of our expectations of what what miracles are. And that's why I thought it'd be in, in, it would be important to maybe define what a miracle was. Yeah, and I agree with you because the, the danger is that we would start to measure ourselves and feel like we fall short or we go too far. Like, for example, we go and lay our hands on every single dead person that we can find with the expectation that maybe we'll get it right one out of 50 and one of them yeah. will 
raised from the dead, and then rise from the dead, and then we'll be able to say, "Oh, look, God did a miracle." Yeah. But I don't think that that's kind of shotgun, scattergun approach is really what we're we're called to yeah. to experience. So, and that would be a wrong expectation of ours. That well, let's lay our hands on as many sick people as we can, because one of them yeah. will get healed yeah. if we're faithful. But that's not the approach that I see Jesus having. It's not the approach. I mean, Jesus stepped over some sick people to go to the one mm -hmm. that he prayed for. Mm -hmm. You get that impression. In fact, I think we talked about that in the healing thing that we discussed. Yeah. And there were yeah. other yeah. dead people were dying all around Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And not everybody did he raise from the dead. Yeah. Yet he did. Yeah. He did when it was right. And I, I would assume yeah. that the key to that is because of his perfect connection with the father he knew when the, the time was right yeah. and when the moment was right yeah. and he didn't waste yeah. waste his efforts in other areas yeah. but god said this is it this is the one this is the moment and jesus however that relationship yeah. worked jesus knew okay now now is the time like I, i've never seen anybody raised from the dead i have heard of accounts and i've heard a lot of people teaching about signs, wonders, and miracles, and always bringing that up and telling stories of how they've laid hands on people who are dead and just thinking, could this be the time, Lord? And I, I don't know. I just think that we have to be careful. And does it mean I don't believe that God can raise the dead? No. I totally believe that God raises the dead. In fact, I think that the greatest miracle of all is salvation. Uh, yeah, and you is, had brought that up before, which is somebody being raised from the dead. Yeah. So sometimes if we make that paradigm shift from what our expectation is, we might have a little better understanding of what God really wants to do. So yes, I believe in, in God raising people from the dead. And I believe that the salvation experience is exactly that, going from death unto life. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and for that, I would add that the greatest that's probably the greatest miracle and, and perhaps the most overlooked miracle as well is salvation and then uh, i would add to that that the, for someone to have the courage to walk through a difficult situation and retain their faith retain their trust in god and to see it through to the end doing what's right no matter how hard it might be that is a miracle as well and that's something that god calls us to and that's a sign that we'll follow those who believe <laughs> Both of those things. They will mark the, the lives yeah. of those that believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that when Jesus said, greater things uh, will you do, when he was talking to his disciples, sometimes we read those kinds of verses and say, oh, well, if he turned the water into wine, I'm going to do something greater than that? What am I going to turn it into? Yeah. You know, and, and, and in actuality... I believe that what he was talking about was he was talking about taking the gospel, the good news of God reconciling himself to man through the blood of, blood of the cross, uh, the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. I believe that that's what he was talking about. The greater things to be done really are the salvation of people throughout the whole earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So does God do miracles? Yes. Far more than we consider. Far more than we recognize. Mir everyday miracles of timing, miracles of provision, miracles of protection. And that's probably one area that we're completely unaware of how closely he, he walks with us. But I don't, 
I don't think that we ever, um, or, or many times we never uh, suffer the full consequences of our decisions mm-hmm. because God miraculously works on our behalf to, yeah. you know, to to shield us and to protect us. And will we see the other things, the things that everybody, you know, cries out for, healings? Yeah, I think we can pray for people and we'll see them healed. Could we raise someone from the dead? If God said to do it, then we would do it. You know, and could we walk on water? If that was our only option and God said, hey, if you can believe, I'll do it for you, then I'll do it. I'm not going to run out on the swimming pool just to test God, you know. If I'm in a boat and he's out there and says, come to me, I'm going to come to him. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to come to you. And isn't that kind of the miracle of the way we run our lives? It's like, Lord, I'll follow you. I don't know how I'm going to, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow yeah. you. Yeah. I think hearing God's voice is a miracle. Just being able to listen to God's voice. And mm-hmm. that's enough proof for anybody. And that's the danger I think we can get in is like you said, testing God and trying to wrap our heads around what he's doing and and trying to determine whether base our beliefs on what we see in the now, in the moment, instant gratification. And it's I think that's a dangerous thing to do when you say, hey, God, do this, or I'll believe, or whatnot. Because people told me that. You know, they say, well, God's real. Why does this go on? And they've asked that. So, and that's, I think that's where there's a lot of danger in you know, revival crusades and whatnot. Is that some people look to it as a test to God, to whether he's real or not. And use it to validify or validate God's. Well, what do you think about the idea of uh, renting a big tent, putting a big sign that says Miracle Crusade on it, or renting a stadium, or any kind of Miracle Crusades where, you know, bring your people in wheelchairs and crutches, and we'll line them up, and we'll lay hands on them, and people will fall down, and... uh, what do you think about those? What place do they have in Christianity today? It's Are they real? Today. Are they valid? Well, let me ask this. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit anoints certain people with a specific gift for healing? Is that one of the ways? Because that's we, the, the person that organizes the Big Tent event is would be someone that is known as a healer, someone that operates in the gift of, of healing. Is that, if, if, if that is true, if that's what the Holy Spirit does, then it could, you could argue, well, if, if that's what God's asking them to do, that there's a place for it. Mm-hmm. And if that's their gift, is that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we can see in people? I mean, I'm just... Yeah. I'm not, it's not, I'm not trying to ask, you know, a, a loaded question, but is that, are there people that have a uh, a specific gift of healing. That was a very gift. successful answering a question with a question. But if we but if we but if we segue for a minute 
into the sidebar of the gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the body. First Corinthians twelve, uh, you know the different places. Ephesians four, all the different places. First Peter you're breaking up. You're breaking up. You're googling uh, now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me just google that. Uh, but, but the different place we're talking about it—it it is they are the gifts of the Holy Spirit given for the good of people, and they flow through people. So the gifts are not do not belong to the gifted the gifts belong to God right so uh, you know the gifts of healing is that different from the gift of miracles and then when you talk about the you know do, does one person operate in one or two of the gifts predominantly or can we access because we can all access the Holy Spirit and do we all access all of those gifts of the Spirit and so that that's also another topic but I personally believe that there are some people that gravitate towards certain uh, manifestations of the Spirit or certain gifts of the Holy Spirit that they develop and begin to use. They discover them, they develop them, they begin to use them in their lives. But I also think that the Holy Spirit can move through people mm -hmm. in any of those gifts. So there might be some, some people that might pray for healing uh, one day and then not really be used in that for a lot of other times, but God can call upon them to do that. Right, and it's the same spirit. Yeah. And so it has yeah, the so spirit it has, has the same, the same ability. So the person who rents the tent and calls for a revival service, uh, most of the time, I think that motives and stuff are probably pure and right. They want to see the advancing of the kingdom. They want to see people helped. Uh, they want to see people saved because I know that there's an emphasis on salvation because I've been to a few of those yes. myself. But also, there's a lot of craziness that, yeah. that goes on that goes on there too. A lot of stuff that seems kind of forced and right. kind of fake and kind of phony and a lot of raising of money. I mean, it's expensive to rent a stadium or to put a tent up and... There's a lot of craziness that goes around that, and if, if 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 Christianity is a grassroots movement that's to to move and spread in ones and twos, and remember Jesus sent them out by two. If it's supposed to move that way, then I don't know. It, why is it that we mostly get the press that miracles happen at revival miracle services? Yeah, and uh, I I think you're right in that. Sorry, John, I cut you off. Do you need to? Yeah, I think you're right in that. That that is an expectation that we have developed, and I think that the the culturally we're, we've moved away from that. You know, and they're they are less common and less successful because of, some of it was a cultural thing. You know, yeah. back in the in the first half of the twentieth century when. Even when people like Amy Semple McPherson were, were becoming prominent and they were traveling around, and it wasn't just her, but traveling around and, and hosting these big tent revival things, it was a, that was a way to communicate with people that was important then, yeah. but is not as relevant these days. You could argue TV is more relevant these days, and yeah. there's certainly enough examples of those 
events taking place on TV. But we might even be moving past that as a culture as well. Um, where right now, most communication is done in more, more, more of a one-on-one basis or an underground way of uh, social networking and, and media and texting and, and so on. It's more personal. So Yeah. I believe that's why it's so important to be able to hear God's voice because I've been in meetings before as a kid and growing up. And even as a kid, I've always felt... I've been in meetings where it felt right. And I've been in meetings that felt wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's important to be able to... Discernment is a very important gift of the Spirit. And um, to be able to determine for yourself what's right and what's wrong. Um, Or be able to hear God's voice. And 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 being able to recognize God's anointing. And there has been times where I've been in meetings and something didn't click right <clears throat> and maybe it wasn't who knows you know what I think a lot of it is and I'm thinking back to my first exposure at a lot of this was uh, back in the 80s there was this guy named John Wimber who started teaching these signs wonders and miracles classes at Fuller Seminary and then it became big and then he started traveling to churches and talked about them and then there were these like revivals that start breaking out in Canada in different places. I, I went to a John Wimber meeting in England when I was a kid. Okay. A couple of them, actually. Yeah. I saw miracles happen, too, yeah. that I couldn't and explain. And you saw miracles happen. Yeah. So there's something about the expectation level is there, mm-hmm. you know. Why is it that they eventually, after a period of time, history seems to prove or seems to point out that when we try to make miracles some kind of a marketable or a some kind of a trending uh, an event or something rather than just the natural process of praying for people and seeing miracles happen why is it that they tend to uh, deteriorate like uh, uh, those services ended up with all kinds of crazy stuff happening until they came to a grinding halt, you know. Or when you read the stories, the, the biographies of men and women uh, of God who were moving in the miraculous, who uh, eventually crashed and burned and became alcoholics or, yeah, you know, whatever it was that happened. Why is it that that happens? Could it be that maybe God is wanting to say, it's not through the effort of man that miracles occur. It's only because of my spirit. And I can choose to allow them to flow or I can choose to not allow them to flow because you can't fake a miracle. It has to be me. It has to be God doing it. Yeah. I suspect you're right. <laughs> and I now there's an example of answering your own question. Yeah. Post a question, then answer it. See you leading up to it. <laughs> you know, and a lot of those things will also die out at when the person who was leading it dies out. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't mean that disparagingly, literally dies out, but I mean as that person maybe assumes responsibility or assumes control of something that is God's, or when it becomes based upon personality rather than yeah. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. In the world today, are there more miracles happening in third world countries? Or are there more miracles happening in America and Europe and the English speaking nations? 
Does anybody know? Well, I think if you were to look at healing and and those sort of uh, manifestations of the Holy Spirit, uh, my impression is that more of that is happening outside of the Western world right now. But if you were to look at God's provision and God speaking and God directing people and protecting, I, I think He looks after all of His people no matter where you are. Yeah. There are more salvations happening overseas than there are yeah. in the United States yeah. right now. Is that miraculous? Is that the miraculous move of God that there seems to be a, you know, a, a, the move of God has reached a tipping point in, we hear stories or read and stories about in China or in India, uh, different places where God is really moving. Is that, is that a miraculous move in God? You know, if we've defined that part of the miracle, what a miracle is, is salvation, and there's all kinds of salvations going on, that would be a miraculous moving of God, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 I believe it is. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and have we grown a little bit stale in the United States? Has our, you know, has our, have our churches become a little too institutionalized and a little too inflexible and, yeah. and um, more sort of structure and organization dependent than they are Holy yeah. Spirit dependent? Yeah. I would say, yeah, we have. You know, just I'm just realizing as we're talking about this, you can do it this way, which would be rent a tent and put out a sign, miracle crusade, and hope that people will get saved. Or you can just do the work of relating with people and loving God and loving people until you see this this uh, velocity of people getting saved. And I think that within that movement, there would be miraculous things that would begin to happen. Yeah. Can I read something in this book that I'm reading, God's Generals? I think it kind of helps with the question or adds to it about why the, the big meetings and why the fall off so often. Cool. Yeah. Um, it says, Jesus never commanded us to build communes. Jesus commanded us to go, not huddle. The book of Acts commune didn't work for long either. In Acts 2, 44-47, persecution hit the group and they were scattered to the uttermost regions of the earth. Why? So the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, 20 could be fulfilled. We are to be lights in the world and penetrate Satan's darkness. Huddling together won't accomplish that feat. The greatest test of a leader is not in the area of persecution, though many fail there. I think one of the greatest scenarios comes in form of power and success. We must never think we've made it and begin to dictate our personal power as a result of God-given success. Success brings a multitude of avenues and ventures. If we get caught up in the vast selections that come from success and fail to develop our spiritual tenacity, we can fall victim to the quote-unquote whirlwind. We can't find peace with our past by using the power of the present. With each new height, we must build a new tenacity. That's why some churches grow to a certain level and then become comfortable or fall. Yeah. Yeah. So, Absolutely. And when will God be with us when, is he, when does he promise to be closest to us? When does he promise to give us the words? It's when we need him most, when we're in danger, when we're confronting the darkness, mm-hmm. when, we're do, when we're doing taking risks, when you're on the edge uh, of and, and being bold. That's when God promises to help you the most. When you're comfortable yeah. and when you're okay with things and when you think you're in control, yeah. he, you don't need God, so he's not there. You don't need the comforter if you're already comfortable. Yeah. yeah. I'll send the comforter. 
you're already comfortable. You're not going to need the Holy Spirit. But yeah. we, need, we need the Holy Spirit. We do. Every day. There's a lot of truth in that. I just remember, I just think there were a lot of movements that seemed to be tried to be put into a some kind of marketing or group or a, a oneness and seemed to fall off shortly thereafter. And I think there's a lot of truth in what, I just, what the explanation just read. Yeah. Of we're supposed to go. We're supposed to. We're supposed to go. Not have people come to us. Like build communes and stuff like that. That was a big thing in the seventies. And fulfilled a purpose. And even my parents lived on one for a while. <laughs> when I was little. Your parents lived on a commune. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, they did. A cooperative collective. Yeah. I don't really know much about communes. Well, I don't know much about that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we but the emphasis is we should be going. So yeah, James, you're right. Say that instead of the big tent meeting, what if that person could go around and every day, you know, meet somebody that and have the Holy Spirit direct directly and specifically I target that person. Um, you would you don't get as much notoriety. You don't get as much fame doing it that way. You don't get as much publicity. You could argue that fewer people, you know, will hear your words, but yet you're doing the work of yeah. ministry. Yeah, it reminds you're me of available. Francis Chan video he showed us with the guy that he, his friend in Mexico that they acted like Jesus or whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. His former youth pastor. Everyone said he was just like yeah. Jesus. <laughs> oh, that's that's ministry. That's at its best, you know. Ministry at its best. I can say this. I can say for me, what I will do is I will not seek miracles. I will seek Jesus. And if along the way in my life of walking with Jesus, from time to time I might experience a, a miracle here or there, I'll give glory to God for it and continue to follow Him. Mm -hmm. That simple. Yeah. Yeah, signs and wonders will will follow those who believe. It's yeah. never follow. It shouldn't signs be. And yeah, it shouldn't yeah. be out in front of us that we try and grasp for it or yeah. chase after it. Yeah. But if our heart is to follow Jesus, then things will happen. We will see that. And those aren't. But those again, those signs and wonders are not. And this is something that I asked at the beginning. Are, are those the signs that we will be looking for to know that we are doing what God said? Mm -hmm. And I think we have to be honest and say that is not our our heart that is not our goal our goal is to be obedient to God our goal is to do what he says um, to follow that wherever it leads and then to and then to see what happens you know yeah <laughs> as and, a result and if the promise is these signs will follow those who believe what is it we're supposed to do believe yeah 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 he didn't say you need to go out and you need to work up some signs wonders and miracles he said you need to believe mm -hmm. be out there as a believer a believer in Jesus Christ and these signs will follow you yeah yeah sometimes yeah. it wears me out because I will I have such a personal you know relation I have my personal relationship with Jesus and it sometimes feels small or it feels I don't want to say it feels small it's just personal and we're a smaller church compared to a bigger church and then 
it'll kind of mentally blow me away to see like a big crusade meeting with, with the baseball stadium filled and it's like this is a whole movement going out of you know all these people that believe in God that I don't even know about you know not that I feel like I should know every person that believes in God but it just kind of the bigger picture of what God's doing is hard to put my head around where it feels so on such a personal level on such a small level in my heart and what God's doing on a day to day basis and then every once in a while I see a glimpse of the bigness of God and what he's doing outside of my city or outside of my you know my my church or whatnot is kind of overwhelming and a good thing too to see yeah and otherwise we might lose heart that we're not doing enough or we're not part of things to know that God is working out outside of our own lives is important as well um, I know that the, there has been a, a call on this church though certainly for this this year to understand what it means to be you know working underground to not need the notoriety to not need the fame to not you know, to not be looking for those visible signs of the kingdom that that, but really to understand the heart and to understand how to how to do the work of ministry because it's the right thing to do and not because you get a reward for it or some kind of blessing associated with it, but just to know that it's right and to uh, to reach out and see a community changed because people are willing to stand for what's right and stand for truth yeah. and stand for the the kingdom of God. And that's mm -hmm. that is so much more important mm -hmm. than whether or not we could fill a stadium, whether or not our personalities were strong enough to to gather a huge following, you know, whether our podcast was clever enough and witty enough that everybody in the world wanted to listen to it. That's why do we do the things that we do? Because yeah. we want to be chasing after God. We want to do what's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We want to do what God says to do and not and not worry about what it might look like or how it might come across but just be faithful yeah. to it you know that's cool we started off this whole broadcast talking about the great big huge concept of miracles and we we draw near to the end of it speaking about I just want to do the right thing for the right reasons with the right people at the right time you know it comes back to that you know obedience and you know maybe being obedient and like you said John hearing the voice of God that's miraculous yeah you know I mean it's miraculous that, that in our flesh our our you know in our flesh we would say I want to serve God and I I want to be like Jesus I want to say the things I hear the father saying and I want to do the things he's directing me to do that's a miracle you know it's like, is that any less a miracle than uh, the dead being raised, you know? Or is that a metaphor that I'm dead in my own sins, but I'm being raised to life with Christ because I'm obeying the word of God and I'm, I'm, I'm doing what Jesus has said to do, doing the stuff, as John Wimber used to say? Yeah. It's a powerful miracle, just yeah. being obedient. It's powerful yeah. But it will not get make you famous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's that's yeah. you know that's the struggle. We yeah. all yeah. we all want to be part of something that makes headlines and feel like we're part of the in crowd or everybody knows us. And that's not that's not what we're supposed to be about. And it's it's not what we're about. I know yeah. it's not what the three of us here yeah. are about. Yeah. And so we 
we make it public and and say you know our heart is more yeah is more to just be obedient yeah uh, I, I shared with you, Matt, on Sunday something Elizabeth had shared with me Sunday morning. We were getting ready to come to church, and uh, we we're excited about what God's doing in our church because God's moving and lives are changing. And it's really all about change. It's about the people's lives being changed. And we were talking about it, and Elizabeth came up with this concept as we were talking about the promise of God to us that we know that. God has called us to certain things in our lives, and that's the promise of God. And and uh, and she brought up the idea that Abraham was was the the person of promise. We think of him as being the person of promise. And it and when it's talking about Abraham and Sarah were so old that their bodies were dead, yet they produced that child of promise. And as she was sharing this with me, I, I caught the prophetic thing, uh, the prophetic insight that that's kind of what God wants to do in me. And I would share with us, he wants us to die. He wants us to, the promise is going to come forth, but it's going to come from a, forth from a dead body. It's going to, and that's the, as to the, this morning, that's what made me think about it, is talking about the miracle of raising someone from the dead. Well, the idea was Abraham and Sarah, even though their bodies were dead, the Bible uses the term, they continued to do the physical aspects of what it took to produce that promise. And I thought about in our own lives, even though I look at my life and think, oh man, uh, my ministry is dead or you know, whatever it is that we're looking at, if I'll continue to do the physical things, serving, loving and serving, loving and serving God, loving and serving people, the promise is still going to come forth. And that's the miraculous power of God. Taking something that was dead and bringing life out of it, that's miraculous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> I die daily. Yeah. Yeah. There is that perspective of death is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so what will we see here in this church as a, as a result of this move of God, as a result of us catching a hold uh, of, of the, the power of the Holy Spirit? I'm reminded, we just talked about it on Sunday, Romans 14, 17, that this, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Or when he, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, you have not been given a spirit of, peer, of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Mm -hmm. And those don't always sound like the ways that the things yeah. that we associate yeah. with the Holy Spirit. We think of the wildness, the yeah. you know, the craziness. The, yeah. And yet, I think there is a new form of Pentecostalism emerging that is sound and filled with the power of God to do His will, filled with the love of God and the compassion of God. And that, that that's the sign, and that ultimately what we see in the kingdom is is people living righteous lives, finding strength in, in the Lord yeah. and and discovering his peace. Yeah. And so and when you find his peace, all of those are the things that you are concerned with or care about. They fall yeah. away. Yeah. So you don't have to struggle or doubt yeah. <laughs> uh, whether you're doing the right thing or not, you have the peace of God with you. Yeah. Yeah. 